0: You're listening to The Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 59. This is The Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At The Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should too. Hello, everybody. My name is Scott Wellens, and I'm your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, yep, that's you, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor. And today's episode is the power of of the markets. What is that, you ask? I'm going to tell you in just a minute. But before we get to the topic, just wanted to let you know, my wife and I are kid-free this weekend. We are in the kid-free zone. It's going to be crazy. We're going to stay out all night long. No, we're not. We're not going to stay out all night long at all. I know how it's going to go. We're going to go out to eat a little bit later. By 8.30, we're going to watch a show in bed and lights will be out by 9 30 because that's just the way we operate i'm gonna talk big and my wife will get home from work tonight i'm gonna say baby we're going to party and she's gonna look at me and start laughing because she's gonna be really tired and so am i after a couple of hours because that's the way our life works right now but my parents took my kids for the weekend to minneapolis to see my brother and their cousins because my young nephew is in a play this weekend. So they are off. My two little ones are off to go see their cousins in Minneapolis with my parents. My wife and I are going to the Green Bay Packer game on Sunday. So I'm extremely excited about that. Have some friends coming to town to enjoy the festivities with us. And I'm going to miss my kids dearly. In fact, I'm going to miss them a ton. My wife will probably shed a tear or two through the weekend because she won't be able to control her emotions and she will miss them a lot. My kids even cried before my wife left this morning for work. But all in all, they're going to have a great time and we're going to have a great time. And really, we're going to miss them a ton. But if you want to be a really, really good family steward, you ought to Let your parents or your brother or your friends take your kids for a night or two so you and your significant other have a chance to recharge your batteries because I think at the end of the day, that makes you a better mom or a better dad. And that's what it's all about, being the best family steward as we can in our life for our kids in our financial decisions and every decision that we make. the better of our families. Because really, what is a family steward? It's the person who thinks that above anything else, family is the most important thing. It's why they go to work in the morning. It consumes just about all of their time. Their focus is on a successful family. It's why sacrifices are made. And sometimes working a job that you don't really enjoy It's every decision you make is focused on the family. That's being a family steward. Let's get to the topic of the day. The power of the markets. That's our topic of the day. What is this? Well, the markets I'm referring to are the stock markets. Most of us listening right now have some money in the stock market. They know from reading, or whatever else, that some of their money should be in the stock market for growth. They don't generally know how it's invested, what's the investment philosophy behind it. They just know that everybody tells them you should have a certain amount of money in stocks and maybe a certain amount of money in bonds and a certain amount of money in cash. And what I mean by the power of the markets is the stock market delivers a really nice return if you look historically through average returns. In fact, the S&P 500 has averaged since approximately 1928 10% per year average. That's pretty good. But from year to year, the stock market doesn't give you 10% return. It might give you 25. It might give you negative 8 it's going to give you a lot of things. Rarely will it give you that 10%. But if you average it all together, average is about 10%. However, when I look at this report that comes out every year, kind of a complicated name, but it's really no big deal. It's the quantitative analysis of investment behavior. And this report measures inflows and outflows from the stock market through mutual funds. And it's showing that the average stock investor is not earning that average 10%. They're getting much less. In fact, about half of what they deserve. So on the one hand, we know there's power in the markets, power for growth, growth that we need so we can eventually hit financial freedom or retirement or whatever we want to call it. But simply having money in the stock market doesn't mean that you are getting the full power of the stock market. In fact, the average investor is only getting half. And here's the secret. They don't even know it. Because at a 5% return, and if you're making contributions every year, you think you're doing pretty good. But it turns out you're not getting what you deserve. And that means somebody else is getting the money that should go inside of your pocket. And to illustrate the power of the markets, I want to tell you a story. And the story I'm getting is from the 1958 economist Leonard Reed who published an essay entitled I Pencil. So I want to tell you a little bit about this essay and then bring it back to the stock market so you may begin to understand the complexities of the stock market but again, how you can tap into the power of the markets to get the full return that you deserve. So this essay was narrated from the point of view of a pencil, and it describes the complex combination of miracles necessary to create and bring to market the commonplace writing tool that has been used for generations, the pencil. The narrator in this essay argues that no single individual possesses enough ability or know-how to create a pencil on their own. Rather, the mundane pencil and the ability to purchase it for a small amount is the result of an extraordinary process driven by the knowledge of market participants and the power of market prices." That was a mouthful, I get it, but let's take a deep dive into it. And the first deep dive is the importance of price. As I told you already, pencil, it doesn't cost that much money, but why is that? Because when you observe a pencil, it's tempting to think a single individual could easily make one. After all, I mean, it's made up of common items like wood, paint, graphite, metal, and a rubber eraser, but by delving deeper into how these seemingly ordinary components are produced, we begin to understand the extraordinary backstory of how it all works together. Take just the wood that's in the pencil as an example. To produce wood requires a saw, To make the saw requires steel. To make steel requires iron. And that iron must be mined, smelted, and shaped. A truck, train, or boat is needed to transport the wood from the forest to a factory where numerous machines convert it into lumber. The lumber is then transported to another factory where more machines assemble the pencil. Each of the components mentioned above and each step in the process have similarly complex backstories. And all of these require materials that are sourced from far-flung locations and countless processes are involved in refining them. Just a multitude of inputs and, and processes necessary to create a pencil is impressive even more impressive are the coordinated actions required by millions of people around the world to bring everything together. You see, there's a direct involvement of farmers, loggers, miners, factory workers, and the providers of capital, money, so people can, can borrow the money so they can produce this stuff to earn a profit etc. There is also, though, an indirect involvement of millions of others. You know, the people who make the rails and the railroad cars and the, the ships and so on for transportation and any other avenue you want to go down of even more and more people that are indirectly involved in making a pencil. So market prices and the importance of price. You see, market prices are the unifying force that enables these millions of people to coordinate their actions efficiently. Remember that word, efficiently. Workers with specific knowledge about Their costs, constraints, and efforts use market prices to leverage the knowledge of others to decide how to direct their own resources in making a living. What the heck do I mean by this, Scott? Well, consider the farmer, the logger, and the price of a tree, okay? The farmer will have a deep understanding of the costs, constraints, and efforts required to grow trees. You see, you and I have no idea, but farmers who grow trees, they do. And if a farmer wants to increase profit, which most do, the farmer will seek out the highest price when selling trees to a logger. And after purchasing the trees, the logger will convert them to wood and sell that wood to a factory. The logger understands the costs, constraints, and efforts required to do this. So to increase profit, the logger seeks to pay the lowest price possible when buying trees from the farmer. You get that? The farmer obviously wants to sell the trees at the highest price for profit. The logger needs to buy at the lowest price for profit. But eventually, The farmer and the logger agree to transact and the agreed upon price reflects their combined knowledge of the costs and constraints of both growing and harvesting trees. You see, that knowledge allows them to decide how to efficiently allocate their resources in seeking a profit. Ultimately, it is price that enables this coordination. So let's think on a larger scale, because on a much larger scale, price information is facilitated by competition between the farmers that sell the trees to loggers and between the many loggers that buy trees from farmers. This market price of trees is observable, and it can be used by others in the production chain. For example, the lumber factory mentioned above, to inform how much they can expect to pay for wood and to plan how to allocate their resources accordingly. And that's just one example of the importance of price. That's one transaction between the farmer and the logger. Think of all the other transactions that need to take place that I talked about at the beginning of this story, which would follow the same process. So what about the power of the markets? I mean, the power of the financial markets, the power of the stock market. Think about this for a second because there's a similarity that can be drawn between what I just told you about the pencil and the market for goods, and also the the financial markets, the stock market, there is a similarity. You see, generally, markets do a remarkable job of allocating resources, and financial markets allocate a specific resource, which is financial capital. Financial markets are made up of millions of participants and these participants voluntarily agree to buy and sell securities all over the world based upon their own needs and desires. You see, each day millions of trades take place and the vast collective knowledge of all these participants is pooled together to set stock prices. Let me give you a staggering number and the magnitude of participation in the world stock markets. So, on an average day in 2015, get this, people, there's 98.6 million trades made on reliable stock markets every day in 2015, that's the average number. So some days less, some days more, but the average over 98 million, that is an incredibly crazy number of trades. The average dollar volume, $447.3 billion. Change hands via stocks each and every day on average. And this stat, by the way, is in U.S. dollars on the largest 60 exchanges around the world according to the World Federation of Exchanges. So get this. We talked earlier about the logger and the farmer and all the information that each of them know and then they together come up with what they both believe is a good transaction price for the logger to buy the tree from the farmer. Now, take that a step further into the stock market with 98.6 million trades made every day. That means every time there was a trade being made, there's one logger and one farmer, but really it's probably one suit and another suit that they agree on a price One of them wants to sell the stock, the company, because they believe that the stock is gonna go down from there. The other one agrees on the price because they believe the stock is gonna go up. And think about these two suits for a second. They're probably extremely smart people, but each one of them has an idea of where that particular stock is gonna move. And then that happens again and again, and another trade, and another trade, and another trade. And before it's all over on an average day, there's 98 million point six of these trades being made every day. So think about this for a second. You or me or any suit or any individual trying to outguess the market is competing against the extraordinary collective wisdom of all of these buyers and sellers. You see, when there's 98.6 million trades being made every day, nobody really knows what the intrinsic value of that stock is because all that stock price is, that's made up of is all the available information about that current company. What nobody knows is future events. What's going to happen after this trade is going to made? We don't have knowledge of what will happen in the future. We do not have a crystal ball. But when all these trades are made every day and nobody knowing what the true intrinsic value of that price is, what we do know is these market forces, these trades every day are somehow pushing the price as close to that intrinsic value as we know. So instead of looking at a particular stock and saying, I think that this stock is underpriced or overpriced, I think another way to look at it is this stock is priced fairly. This, my friends, is the efficient market. You know, there probably was a time, a long time ago, where you might have been able to get a leg up in the market. But now, with all information about every company that's available on the internet, in an instant... Do you really want to try and outguess the collective knowledge of all these market participants? Or do you want to simply say this price of every stock is at least a fair price? It might not be the right price, but it's a fair price. And if we view this whole thing through the lens of the essay that I spoke about before, attempting to outguess the market is like trying to create a pencil from scratch rather than going to the store and reaping the fruits of others' willingly supplied labor. I'm going to choose to go to the store and buy the pencil. Because in the end, like in the stock market, trying to outguess the market is incredibly difficult and very expensive, and over the long run, the result will almost assuredly be inferior when compared to a market-based approach. So do you wanna try and outguess the market? Or do you want to just take part in the power of the market to get the average market return, which is so much better than the average investor and so much better than almost every active mutual fund that's out there. Professor Kenneth French has been quoted as saying, the market is smarter than we are, no matter how smart we get. The market will always be smarter than we are. You see, one doesn't have to look far for data that supports this. So if I look at all the actively managed mutual funds 15 years ago, ending December 2015, and then I look at them 15 years later, so a 15-year return for actively managed mutual funds and compare that to its benchmark, only 17% of actively managed funds, people that are trying to outguess the market, only 17% overperform the market. That's it. It's a very small amount. And if you go to the Social Science Research Network, look for it on the internet, and find some other papers that are doing longer analysis than 15 years, because really, We're long-term investors. 15 years isn't even that long of a time. You'll find that people trying to outguess the market in longer periods of time really start to suffer much lower than the 17%. Another place if you want to do some individual research is... To get on the internet and google the SPIVA reports, S-P-I-V-A, the SPIVA reports, and they'll give you some 10-year returns of actively managed funds versus the benchmark. And you'll find no matter who's doing the research, people trying to outguess the market have a very difficult time doing so. So what's the conclusion here? The beauty of Leonard Reed's story Is that it provides a glimpse of the incredibly complex tapestry of markets and how prices are formed, what types of information they contain and how they are used. You know, the story makes it clear that no single individual possesses enough ability or know-how to create a pencil on their own, but rather that the pencil's miraculous production is the result of the collective input and effort of countless motivated human beings. So in the end, the power of the markets benefits all. All of us, the market allows us to exchange the time we require to earn money for a few milliseconds of each person's time involved in making a pencil. For an investor, we believe the lesson here and listen very closely is that instead of fighting the market, one should pursue an investment strategy that efficiently and effectively harnesses the extraordinary collective power of market prices. That is, an investment strategy that uses market prices and the information they contain in its design and day-to-day management. So in doing so, an investor has access to the rewards that financial markets make available to providers of capital. I hope that story was helpful as I tried to draw some similarities between that essay and the stock market. What about you? What are you gonna do moving forward? Are you gonna rely on yourself trying to outguess the market? Which stocks are gonna do better or worse? Or are you gonna pin your hopes on some manager that will attempt to do the same thing try and outguess the market or are you going to submit to the absolute power and the collective knowledge of everybody those millions and millions of trades being conducted every day submit to that and say listen i know i don't want to go up but i don't want to go up against everybody i just want to take part in the power of the markets because you know there's so much power The stock market can provide the growth you need to build the portfolio you need to so you can eventually achieve financial freedom or retirement. That's what this is all about. You know, and only accessing the stock market in a risk-adjusted way that fits you, your risk tolerance, your risk capacity, and your dreams and goals. It's not supposed to be as hard as everybody makes it out to be. And why do these managers have such a hard time beating the market? Because they demand a lot of money for their services. And making trades create all kinds of expenses like taxes and bid-ask spreads and commissions and all that. If, you, if any of you have questions about this, please email me, scott at bestinwealth.com. My time is up now. I hope everybody has a great, great week, and I'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, everybody.